Hello, this is Darren Pulsifer, Chief Solution Architect of Public Sector at Intel. And welcome to Embracing Digital Transformation, where we investigate effective change leveraging people, process, and technology. On today's episode, Intel's Superheroes with Cameron Sherry, VP and General Manager of Intel's Public Sector. Cameron, welcome to the show. Darren, thank you. It's always a pleasure to be able to share some airtime with you. Hey, when we when we first talked about superpowers and superheroes, I thought of something that my family did for Christmas cards this last year. All 17 of us, because I got 10 kids. There's a boatload of kids there. We did a it. Christmas card of superheroes. I'll have to, you guys will see the picture. It'll show up on the podcast uh, video. Check it out. It's pretty funny. But we're not talking about my family superheroes. Today, we're talking about Intel's public sector superheroes and their superpowers. I love it, Darren. So excited. So, Cameron, let's first talk about you. Let's give a, just a brief background. Where'd you come from? Because you're new to Intel and you bring some new insight into Intel and some energy into the public sector team. Sure thing, Darren. Thank you. So as everyone mentioned, as you mentioned, my name is Cameron Sherry. I come to Intel very humbly and honestly through uh, what I would like to think is a pretty interesting career, Darren, but I'll let you and your audience judge that. I started my career humbly working for uh, the world's largest privately held staffing company. What that introduced me to was uh, a passion for technology. I had no idea where I int was introduced to a, a software application called PeopleSoft that I became very fond of and ended up learning pretty quickly. What that led to was an extraordinary opportunity for me to help build the world's first cloud computing company. It was a company in Annapolis called US Center Networking. I think we we're really kind of ahead of our time. So much so, Darren, that seven or eight years before the term cloud was coined, I'll never forget the night we were having a few adult beverages sitting in Pusser's Pub in downtown Annapolis, and we created the tagline, software as a service. Now here's the context, 1997. Wow. So let, let that sink in a little bit. So that's pretty cool. Um, and then I seem to have found my way through private equity, working for federal systems integrators like Northrop Grumman and General Dynamics, where I really caught the passion for supporting a mission. And that's really what drove me through those companies was really supporting just the amazing people and customers within public sector. I've also been the chief technology officer at Dell Technologies for a spell, and now very proudly and humbly, uh, I've got the great honor to lead just an amazing, small but mighty team here at Intel Public Sector. All right, Cameron, so why why did you come over to Intel? I mean, you were at Dell, right, right in the cat seat. CTO job is a cool job, right? It is. I, I've been there myself. It's a fun job, great technology, driving, driving tech, but now you take on a a big whopper of a of a position at Intel as you know general manager of public sector why why would you do that you know it's it's interesting Darren Dell's a great company I had an amazing uh, job there really really great customers just a marquee brand when Pat Gelsinger decided to leave VMware and come back to Intel I I felt the earth shake <laughs> you know, been in this industry a long time, and if if you haven't followed 
uh, just the incredible uh, career of Pat Gelsinger, but also our great company. You had to have been asleep or under a rock if you didn't feel the earth shake. And and it, I took notice. Pat came back. He started to build a little bit of a leadership team, and he brought on Greg Lavender, who's another uh, icon in the industry and another person that I admire very much based on their leadership, uh, their ability to drive teams and change and transformation. And although I, I loved my job at Dell and still still do to this day, I felt a calling because what I saw Pat doing was looking to reinvigorate an iconic American brand that, quite frankly, did a brilliant job innovating, uh, built an industry around our technology. We just seem to have lost our way because of a, a lack of leadership for, for a period of time. And when you get a leader that takes the helm of a company like Pat Gelsinger, you know things are going to happen. And so I heard that calling. And I was very, very interested. I've been a partner and a customer of Intel for many, many years. Huge fan of the technology growing up in operations. Because look, there's competitors out there. And I love our competitors, Darren. They keep us sharp and, and on our toes. But they're not Intel. We're the company that put the silicon in Silicon Valley. You know, we are an iconic American brand. And I heard the calling. And I wanted to be part of the work it was going to take to get us back to that that brand status. Uh, so, yeah, you, you like hard things, don't you? I, Darren, I, not only do I love a challenge, but I believe in the underdogs and the, the underdog story. There's amazing people at Intel. They don't realize they're all amazing, which is the, the greatest part of all of it because they have such humility and humbleness. But there's amazing people here. We're doing some extraordinary things. We have a great business and people do the right thing all the time. And uh, you don't find that often in companies. And the fact that we're rooted in that culturally is inspiring. So let's talk. I mean, Pat, Pat has been talking to us and we've taken that into the public sector quite a bit on uh, Intel's superpowers. And I think there's even more than the four that Pat talks about, especially in public sector. Let's talk a little bit about those superpowers and how that's helping public sector. Sure. So first of all, we, we recognize, right, what are, what are the four superpowers as we see them and why do we think they have such a profound effect on, on I'll say, mankind and humanity in the world, right, when you think of what's going on in the world? Ubiquitous compute. So when you think of that, it's pretty incredible. Well, let me list the four. So ubiquitous compute. Ubiquitous comms, I believe, right? The network piece, um, artificial intelligence, and I'm going to forget the, the fourth one, Darren. I always do. I, and it's so right in front of me. Edge. Edge to cloud. It is the most pervasive thing today. Got to have a little bit of fun with these podcasts, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> making sure you were on your toes. Yeah, thanks so for the test. Let, <laughs> let's look at ubiquitous compute to start. You know, I always had an appreciation being technical, but also a consumer that technology, compute really was everywhere in our life. It wasn't, though, until I joined Intel that I realized the, the magnitude of the importance on society that semiconductors has. 
for me, being an enterprise technologist, it was always about, you know, building data centers. I got to build the Eastern seaboard of the internet physically. You know, I'm not Al Gore. I didn't invent the internet, but I sure got <laughs> to build it, you know. Um, but I never realized until, until I came here because my, my orientation changed. Semiconductors are in everything, literally everything, cars, appliances, smartphones, computers, hospital, healthcare systems, digital rec, literally semiconductors span the ecosystem of just about every verticalized market on the planet. And it is what is helping us not only live the best human experience we can live, it's actually helping us improve the quality of our lives. It's giving us better situational awareness, et cetera. So ubiquitous compute really means something to us more than just some cheeky marketing tagline. Because we do recognize when you look at that, I'm saving people's lives when I apply our superpower to healthcare. I'm protecting the homeland and civilians when I think of applying it to a national security mission. I'm helping improve and advance scientific research to look for things like cures for cancer, maybe have us not just put a person on the moon, but maybe live on the moon one day, who knows, right? One can dream. So it's really extraordinary. So that superpower in itself is fascinating. You know, it's interesting because I think COVID and the pandemic kind of put a magnifying glass on that. When you look at the sheer number of people that were still able to work and schools were still operating, albeit not perfectly, but our kids were still learning. And that's all because of silicon. Darren, that comment, I paused because I wanted to let it linger there for a moment because of the power of what you just said. And yes, unfortunately, unfortunately, it took the pandemic for us to recognize the true value of it. Now, I'm an optimist eternally. I was, I was, I guess, born an optimist. I'm going to die an optimist, and I'm even optimistic about dying, Darren. Let me be, <laughs> let me be clear about it. Uh, but the pandemic truly showed us the power of when we can apply silicon for good use. What it's done, right? Because to your point, we we shifted learning from a, a kinetic environment, right, going to schools to a virtual one. Well, there was a little bit of benefit that got exposed to people that we never realized, like closing the digital divide a little bit more, being able to fulfill that for, let's say, people with disabilities or may not have necessarily been able to attend traditional schooling. They're now offered this, this great digital format to participate on an equal playing field. And that's humbling because, you know, to be able to help people using what you do on a daily basis as a job, there's nothing more fulfilling. And and I agree with you. The pandemic really revealed a lot of these things where digital now is front and center in our lives. You know, this brings on to the, ne the next superpower, which is the calm side of thing. Because if you just have silicon out there without it being connected, it doesn't... Um, it can't be it can't realize all the potential that it can have. And we saw a huge uptick in comms and uh, 5G kind of got a kick in the pants, which it needed um, to be adopted uh, with the pandemic as well. Uh, and I'm glad you brought that up. Even today, I've got a bunch of high schoolers. I got three high schoolers. 
they all have Chromebooks now, where before it was, well, you check the Chromebook out for this one class and you hand it in at the end of class. That's done. Every student has a Chromebook now in, I would say, a majority of the school districts out there today. This was a, this was a huge um, shift, and we're seeing teachers shift, too, because of that connectivity. So can you talk a little bit about Intel's comms? Um, what, what are they doing in comms? Yeah, so it's really interesting, Darren. People look at us as we're just this chip company. I don't know if under, if people understand the entire portfolio we have for Interconnect, right? Because Interconnect, as you mentioned, is so important. I mean, the work that we do out of our NEX division and how we're connecting people is the other superpower for a reason. And to your point, look, there are times and there are certainly mission scenarios where we're disconnected, where refer to superpower number one makes it so important because I can then bring the technology closer to the data and should, let's say, I'll use a, a military example in this instance, you got a warfighter in what's called a DDIL environment, a disadvantaged or dis a disconnected environment they're still able to use the compute locally and the information they have to be able to execute on that mission. When they reconnect to whatever comms they're using, whether it's legacy 4G, 5G, the upcoming 6G, or some sort of wireless, then they can continue to get uh, better connectivity and, and up-to-date information with regards to data that's transmission. But if I go to the education scenario that you talked about, Darren, Interconnect is vitally important, you know, getting access to data, the streaming, the video content, everything else is just so vitally important. And I don't think people realize just how powerful it can be. Now, we have gaps, right? We still have areas of the country and the world that uh, are not able to participate in the digital economy. What's fascinating is, and I'm sad to say this, Closing the digital divide in the United States is becoming much harder than it is in developing countries. Developing countries are able to leapfrog us because they're investing in 5G, 6G, you know, non-terrestrial comms. Now, there's issues associated with that as well, but they're able to invest in that and close the digital divide much faster. But to your point, that superpower is equally as important because, let's face it, connections is the one of the fundamental basis of being human and being connected to others, one of the most fulfilling things you can do. Oh, I, I totally agree. Let, and you, you mentioned a little bit about edge to cloud, especially with the warfighter. And this is dear to my heart, too, because I've been doing a lot of work um, in that DDIL environment and architectures around DDIL. Um, tell us a little bit more about Intel's and their edge to cloud strategy and that, you know, why is that important to us? And, and what do we have on the truck to, to help uh, public sector in this space? You know, Darren, it's fascinating. Cloud and edge and, you know, all these interesting trends that come into technology, um, they, they have a profound effect on business and on mission. And I know people have talked about cloud for a long time. And, it be, you know, people are like, is it a fad? Or is it a trend? Well, there's a big difference, right? A fad is we're all not walking around with mullets anymore, thank God. <laughs> right? Oh, no, they're coming back, man. They're coming oh, back. <laughs> Let's hope not, Darren, right? <laughs> but, a, but a trend, I mean, excuse me, a, a, yeah, a trend rather than a fad is something that has the opportunity to help us progress and grow and learn how to adopt new methodologies and new things. 
When I look at edge to cloud, because the underpinning capability is compute and interconnect, we, we play a significant role. Now we have to do it with our, our ecosystem partners and our OEMs, right? But edge to cloud, what it provides, if you really harness the true power of not only the silicon, but, but software, you can secure workloads, you can do more high assured computing, but what it affords you the opportunity to do really is interoperability. So I can move workloads from an edge to, to a cloud or to a traditional data center very seamlessly when I'm using open standards and, and core technologies in that edge to cloud strategy. And I would offer you, Darren, you know, we've, we've seen this in our, our industry, trends change. You know, when we started many, many, many years ago when computing was for the elite and the educated, it was mainframes, right? And supercomputers, because that's the only yeah. institution yeah. that could afford them. And that's, that was okay, right? So it was this centralized model that everyone logged into. I'm old enough to remember, you know, 5270 green screen emulators for mainframes. <laughs> then it shifted to this client server, so it became very decentralized, Cloud comes about and it goes back to a centralized, just like we do with mainframe, it's just modern. I know all the CSPs, I love them, but, and I know they hate when I when I say that, but it it's about a model, an architectural construct. It's not about the technology, right? With edge emerging, I think what we're going to see for the foreseeable future, the next 20, 30, 40, 50 years, is edge is what's going to really rule and dominate because as we make things smarter, we have to take and push the technology out to the edge where the information's actually being created and then processing happens in a centralized manner for more analytics, AI, et cetera, right? We're not gonna go backwards, right? Cars aren't gonna get dumber. We're not going to make a gas-powered Tesla that, you know, now is a gas engine and has not got cool features and, and gadgets and widgets. Things are only going to progress. They're going to get smarter. So the edge is going to be extraordinarily pervasive. And as an industry, we're, again, creating self-inflicted wounds. We, we haven't done a good job of defining what that is yet, but, but we know it's emerging. Yeah, I, in fact, I kind of call it like the the data center without walls concept. And right. where is my data? My data is everywhere now. And how do I make intelligent decisions based off of all this data collected and processed everywhere, right? Including uh, a cell phone or a sensor or a camera um, or in the industrial space in motors and pumps and things like that. Those are becoming intelligent, which leads to our next superpower, artificial intelligence, right? And people Absolutely. don't know this about Intel. We have one of the largest artificial intelligence portfolios in the world. Darren, this is why I love this company. Humbleness and humility is, is, a, is a great cultural attribute to have. But unfortunately, at times, it works a touch against us. And I'm a little okay with that because I do like being a cheerleader for the brand. Look, artificial intelligence, here's a few things that, that people don't know what might surprise them. First of all, 
we have a software portfolio that is extraordinary. We have more software developers than some software companies. And there's a need for that. There's a reason, right? Because look, I love Greg Lavender. What a, he's such an amazing CTO. He has this expression that it, you have silicon, but software is the soul of silicon, right? You have to allow it to do something. You have to give it life. You have to give it a purpose. And AI is a great example of it. And, and Darren, it's fascinating. People say, oh, well, AI, all these tech guys talk about AI. You know, what is it? Are we going to have robots and all these? Yeah, we're going to have them. But let's talk about a practical use case. I'm lost in the UK. Happens to me often, Darren, as much as I love <laughs> traveling to the UK, I travel all over the world and I can't remember half the cities I'm in, but I'm lost. I pick up my phone and immediately, because GPS is coming down on my phone, I could say, hey, Sir, Siri, or hey, Google, I'm lost. <laughs> it brings up maps. It geolocates me, finds me where the closest point of civilization is. That's just a practical way of where AI would apply for good or is doing profound things for us as people, you know? And look, I don't have a great sense of direction, Darren, so I need a lot of help. Now, we're also seeing, because Intel, that ubiquitous compute and the advanced comms that we have, we're seeing more of these edge devices become intelligent and we're actually decreasing the amount of data that needs to move off the edge and into the data centers because we are running AI algorithms to infer on the edge what we're looking for. Um, and a lot of people don't know that we've got this kind of technology and it's built into our CPUs directly and also, we also have specialized um, XPUs, right? Neuromorphic processors that do right. the same uh, same sort of thing at lower wattage and higher speeds, which is pretty darn incredible. You know, Darren, what I love about your podcasts and this is we can have a conversation in English rather than geek speak, because I think people need to remember when we satisfy a mission... You have to be able to understand what you're doing as an impact using the technology. And you're absolutely correct. I mean, look, I love our IPUs, our XPUs, our GPUs, our CPUs. It's pretty extraordinary what we can do, but let's practically apply it. If I go back to, say, a civilian use case, uh, look at the Postal Service. It's shocking to me. Most people, when they look at Postal Service, they don't, they don't necessarily see on the surface an, an organization that's innovative. Oh, but when you think of the innovative. next generation yeah. delivery vehicles, the amount of sensors that are on that thing and what it's doing, it's as modern as Google Street View, the cars driving around mapping certain things. When you look at postal service centers that do mail sorting, how they're applying what you just described in our portfolio down to these kinetic sorting machines so that they're getting smarter about where mail goes and safer mail handling and all these other extraordinarily positive things. They're leveraging technology to scale. And uh, it's pretty extraordinary. Uh, we look at other use cases, Darren. I think of first responders. You know, being able to put more silicon in law enforcement vehicles to do smarter things to create better situational awareness. It's all about 
affecting the human in that mission environment in a more positive way, giving them more access and information, but in a consumable, humanly consumable format. And Darren, that's the piece we miss all the time from an AI perspective. We get so geeked up talking about the tech, we forget like the simple example I, I told you about in, in the UK before. In a few seconds, I can visually look at something and ingest 600 different data points within a split second, just visually presenting the data effectively. Yeah, and when I look impressive. at our hardware and our software portfolio, that's the power of what we do as Intel. Now look, some of these things are aspirational. What I love about our company is we do bring a bag of parts that are very relevant. We have amazing partners in our ecosystem that help us bring that together to create real solutions. And I'm being very careful with my words here. And then you've got partners in the last mile, that critical last mile that every customer needs us to help us integrate those solutions in that mission environment. It, it really is a great place in the ecosystem to be because we are innovating. So that's one thing I, that's one thing I really wanna come up with our superheroes. Mm -hmm. Our superheroes are our, are our employees and our ecosystem. Um, and, Absolutely. And this is something that always kind of shocked me. We, we have one of the most incredible ecosystems to bring solutions to market. And we don't even bring the solutions to market. <laughs> we, and it, it's amazing. Even some of our competitors we work with to solve really tough problems for national defense or for public service. Be, and, and I think the reason why, and one, one reason why I love this team that I work on in public sector is because we are making a difference in lots of people's lives, day-to-day -day lives, the things that we're bringing, bringing about today. Well, Darren, I mean, just a, a testament to that, and I hope these people don't kill me, but I, I need to mention them because I admire them a lot. Being able to hire the people we've been able to hire, like yeah. retired admirals and generals and chief warrant officers, you know, we've we've got an amazing team here that helps us every single day remember who we serve. You know, look, I'm very proud of our company, I'm proud of our tech, our innovations, all these different things, and I'm proud of our people, but without those people helping rem helping us remember that it's us and the ecosystem we've created because we we did create that. Let's yeah. let's be very honest here. Yep. Um, to serve this this great mission and not just our government but governments worldwide and our allies and all those things, it's a pretty humbling experience. But you're right; it is all about the people. Yeah. No, I I agree. So Cameron, thank you for making my hundredth episode enjoyable. I'm honored. Right, you 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 got the you got the privilege of being number one hundred, Darren. I'm I'm so honored. Look, these these are great podcasts. I hope people are getting the value out of them that you and I know we see out of them, and uh, it's really extraordinary. And I can't thank you enough for continuing to carry this torch. Hey, th thanks a lot, Cameron, and thanks for supporting me in it. You never know when you get a new boss whether he's going to like what you're doing or not. So, <laughs> I love you, Darren. <laughs> All right, thanks a lot, Cameron. Thank you for listening to Embracing Digital Transformation today. If you enjoyed our podcast, give it five stars on your favorite podcasting site or YouTube channel. You can find out more information about Embracing Digital Transformation at embracingdigital.com. 
www.thepodcastnetwork.org. Until next time, go out and do something wonderful.